Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another edition of If You Smell What The Arch Is Cooking. I am your host, Archie Mitchell. And after a couple of extra days of some technical difficulties, we are back with another episode. That's right. I apologize for the late drop, but I had a couple of things getting away. And I just wanted to make sure, though, that we were back here this week for another great episode. And I have to tell you, the quick hits are long and large. There was a lot of news stories going on in the world of professional wrestling this past week. We will also be talking about NXT Halloween Havoc. We will talk about AEW Dynamite. And we will definitely go ahead and look into some highlight reel of Raw, SmackDown, and a little bonus as we will be looking at AAA Mexico's Triple Mania pay-per-view that happened this past Saturday night. So, a lot going on, as I said, but before we go any further, I want to send out my sincere condolences, my best wishes, and my prayers to the family of WWE legend and Hall of Famer Kevin Ash. Kevin and his family lost their son, Tristan, this past week at the age of 26 years old. No parent should ever outlive their child. No parent should ever have to deal with that grief, and I know because we've seen a couple of online reports of where Kevin has released statements that he is very grief-stricken. I have met in Kevin, and thanks to the asylum, I have gotten a chance to speak to him more directly as well. Uh, and Kevin is one of the best people I've ever met in my life. Um, and knowing that he's dealing with this, it really breaks all of our hearts here in the wrestling community. And we just want to make sure that he knows that we are here from him and doing whatever we can to send our positive vibes to him. With that being said, we are going to go ahead and get into our first segment here tonight on If You Smell What The Arch Is Cooking. So what I want you to go ahead and do is pop open your favorite frosty beverage, strap in, buckle up, and get ready for the ride as I spew my venom and my hate and my love about the world of professional wrestling here tonight and it's time for some quick hits and our first one tonight wwe cancels day one from their premium live event schedule no event scheduled between survivor series and the royal rumble this year day one usually happened on january 1st of every year or at least the last year and it seems that wwe has pulled this pay-per-view premium live event from their schedule. I don't know why. I don't know if they felt that they needed to give some of the wrestlers some time in between the Survivor Series and the Royal Rumble, whatever the case may be. I'm sure they're going to do something uh, in between November and December and January to get us to and in between these pay-per-views. Um, it it kind of sucks, though, because when you're looking forward to a, a good, decent, uh, pay-per-view or premium live event and then you hear that one gets canceled you kind of wonder why but also it is not a bad idea for the wwe to pull back on some of their pay-per-views and maybe loosen that schedule just a bit as well because between nxt and then the normal pay-per-views it's like special event special event special event premium live event pay-per-view constantly so Maybe it's time, like I said, to uh, loosen and take away some of those pay-per-views. This might not be a bad idea. 
Number two, Triple H contracts COVID and leaves Raw in the hands of the Road Dog Jesse James. That's right. This past Monday night on Raw, the uh, CEO of the company, Triple H, uh, was bedridden with COVID. Uh, this is the first time that I've heard that he's contracted it. And, um, you know, apparently he's doing well. No uh, other underlying problems or uh, issues with his health. And thank God for that, because we know that he did have some health issues a year ago or so ago. Um, and I have to say, before we get into, you know, the um, highlight reel, talking about Raw, Raw was great this week. So leaving it in the hands of the Royal Dog, Jesse James, was the right move as Triple H got better and did what he had to do to get well. Number three, we saw the return of Sean Spears, Stu Grayson, the debut of the kingdom with Maria Kanellis and the crowning of a new all Atlantic champion in orange Cassidy last week on dynamite and rampage. Now this was not for this week. This was for last week when I did the, um, WWE pay-per-view, uh, review instead of covering AEW and NXT. Uh, and so with that being said, AEW really kicked it into high gear. Like I said, returns. We thought Sean Spears was done with the company. We thought Stu Grayson was done with the company. We saw the return, uh, the debut of the kingdom with Maria Kanellis. We've never seen them in the company before, but they have ties to ROH. Matt Taven is a former ROH champion. Mike Bennett is very decorated in Ring of Honor as well. And then we saw a crowning of a new champion. I can't believe that Pac lost the old Atlantic championship to Orange Cassidy. And that's not taking anything away from Orange Cassidy. It's a great, you know, great hand. But he also has the comedy routine in his wrestling as well. So, you know, it's just a little weird. But I'm, I'm assuming good old Tony Khan knows exactly what he's doing. Or at least I hope he does. Number four. AEW pitches two new shows to Warner Brothers. They want an ROH weekly TV series and an all-elite women's wrestling show. An update, a possible streaming deal for Ring of Honor may be being worked out with HBO Max. Now, I would like to say that I think giving the women of All Elite Wrestling their own show would be great because they would get more TV time and they could put some of the younger and up-and-coming talent on it and have more of their premier stars as well, such as Tony Storm and Paige and Britt Baker on it as well, because the ladies only really seem to be getting like 20 to 25 minutes on Dynamite and maybe 10 to 15 on Rampage. Uh, the Ring of Honor show, I agree, should be on a Warner Brothers channel as well, whatever channel they choose to put it on. But knowing and hearing that HBO Max is interested, and could be doing a streaming deal for Ring of Honor makes me very happy. I was a huge Ring of Honor supporter before they uh, decided to go out of business and then be purchased by Tony Khan and All Elite Wrestling. And, well, HBO Max is available in every household. So this would give, this would give Ring of Honor a leg up on uh, a lot of other wrestling promotions, including AEW. Because, yes, TBS and TNT are available in every household but there's a lot of preemptedness because of basketball and baseball and then they have to move to a different night where if ring of honor would be streaming on hbo max it would give them the opportunity to just be streaming their old content could be put on there as well and then new fans could be made so this might be a pretty bright spot for ring of honor and aew as well 
Number five, WWE making changes to pay-per-view premium live events. Big changes such as more international events and less gimmick shows are coming in 2023. Now I'm all for more international shows because, as we know, Clash at the Castle was major. The fans were behind not just Drew McIntyre, but everybody who came down that rampway at Clash of the Castle. Uh, European fans are some of the best because they stay involved the whole way through. Even when you think the wind is all out of their sails, they keep going. And I think that less gimmick pay-per-views would be a great thing as well. I like Hell in a Cell. I like Elimination Chamber. But we really don't need a TLC pay-per-view because when you get down to it, yeah, we want to see a tables match. And sure, everybody loves a good ladder match. And of course, the original TLC match that was made by the Dudleys, Edge and Christian, and the Hardy Boys. Yeah, everybody wants to be involved. But, <coughs> excuse me, nobody wants to see a chairs match. It is brutal. And you end up seeing stairs get involved and, and a lot of stupidity, and it just becomes a big old mess. So getting rid of a pay-per-view like that and a couple of others, which, as we've seen, they got rid of day one, I think is a good idea. You know what I mean? Keep the ones that you need for those big events like Elimination Chamber and uh, Hell in a Cell because you've got these big, crazy cages that you got to put up. They're going to be doing the same with Survivor Series by adding war games. But get rid of all the rest. Give us back to King of the Ring. Have SummerSlam. Have the Royal Rumble. And give us a couple of nice sprinkled in international pay-per-views here and there. Please, not too many crown jewels, though. And uh, do your best to give us the absolute best pay-per-view schedule so that we can be amped up for every show like it was in the past. And finally, number six. AEW releases a steal from his contract and is on the verge of buying out the remainder of CM Punk's contract. The only reason they have not done so with Punk just yet is there is worry that CM Punk could be trying to get back to the WWE. So they are trying to put a no-compete clause for at least 90 days on Punk's remaining contract, buy him out, and then make him sit at home. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know anybody who would whine to sit at home and be paid, especially the lump sum of money that CM Punk is going to be being paid by AEW. But, I understand stunting him from trying to get back to the WWE. And there have been a couple of reports over the last week or so, and I don't know if it was COVID or the medicine he was on, but Triple H said that he is all willing to hear CM Punk out and possibly welcome him back to the WWE. So if that is the case, Tony Khan is right by not allowing one of his huge assets that he paid a ton of money for and owes a ton of money to in order to get him out of his contract uh and then just allow them to walk into a wwe arena get the huge pop and then you know now everything goes to shit i i understand as far as a steel goes though i want to be real honest with you here i've i've heard of a steel before i've seen him wrestle a couple of times i know that he's trained a bunch of guys including punk but i don't like him <laughs> hearing that he bit somebody during that fight after all out hearing everything that he's done to spew some venom in the direction of the elite and, you know, saying it was all, it was all them. Punk didn't do anything wrong. And 
he seems like a carny to me. And carnies in this day and age of wrestling have no more business being full-blown carnies. Now pay attention to what a, a full-blown carny. You can be a carny and you can do what you got to do to get the job done, but you cannot try and twist things completely and screw everybody over to save one. It is better to save many and lose one than to save one and lose many, ladies and gentlemen. So just remember that when I tell you that Ace Steel being out of all elite wrestling may be the best thing possible. And if CM Punk's contract is bought now, that may be the best for their company as well. Whether or not he goes back to the WWE, who knows, though. You never can tell with Punk. Uh, like Roddy Piper used to say, the one thing that's for sure is that nothing's for sure. So, with that being said, let's go ahead and get into our next segment. It is time, ladies and gentlemen, for my favorite segment. It's time for the highlight reel. And, as I said... We were adding a little bonus this week, not just Raw and SmackDown. I took the liberty of watching AAA Mexico's Triple Mania pay-per-view. And there were some really good matches on it, but two of them specifically stood out. And I've watched Triple Mania every year for the last 10 years. And I enjoyed seeing uh, wrestlers like El Zorro and El Macias, Cybernetico, Conan, uh, you know, Rey Mysterio making a couple of returns there, uh, and, and other great athletes from Mexico. So when I heard that it was coming back on this year and I had the opportunity to watch it, I went ahead and I turned it on. So the highlights from Triple Mania are number one, Taya Valkyrie taking on Camille with the Reina Del Rey's women's title on the line. That is the Queen of Queens title for those of you who don't know what it is. And they had a knockdown drag out war. Both women busted each other open. Both both women went the extra mile. And this was a compliment to their NWA women's title match that they had a couple of months ago in the NWA for Camille's NWA title. Now, Camille won over in the NWA, but this time, Taya Valkyrie forced Camille to submit and retained her title in a great battle. And number two, Cybernetico, who I mentioned a moment ago, taking on Pagano in an extreme war. I mean, these guys did everything but hit each other with that old cliche saying, the kitchen sink. Uh, I mean, we saw uh, Charlie Manson return, and Charlie Manson is an incredible athlete there in Japan who used to be partners with Cybernetico. He actually took the side of Pagano here. We saw everyone from Cybernetico's crew get involved, and it was just an all-out blitz of action happening everywhere. In the end, Cybernetico got the win in a hard-fought battle, and I enjoyed watching this. Now, it's not saying the rest of the card was garbage, but these were the two matches that stood out to me indefinitely. Uh, there was uh, a Phoenix defending the uh, AAA champion, uh, the World Heavyweight Champions uh, match, and there was a main event that was stellar between Pentagon and Villano 4, who had a mask versus mask match. But these two matches stood out to me the most because they had the most hard-fought battles invested in them. Now, moving on to Monday Night Raw. The opening brawl between Lashley and Lesnar was incredible. 
I didn't like that they involved the entire locker room or most of it. And we saw guys like, you know, uh, Akira Tozawa and Cedric Alexander trying to separate them. But Lashley came off looking like a beast and beating Lesnar's ass. Number two, Seth Rollins promo and the uh, almost push of uh, Mustafa Ali uh, in this, you know, whole scenario. Ali got in Rollins' face and Rollins did whatever he, any chicken shit heel would do. He took him out. But promo was stellar. Ali looked great. Number three, JBL's return. Then introducing the repackaged Baron Corbin and Corbin versus Dolph Ziggler. Now, having a legend like JBL behind you is awesome for Corbin. But then also, you had a 20-minute battle with Dolph Ziggler. And that was unbelievable. In, in, in itself, Baron Corbin got remade. And you know what? It was for the better. No more happy Corbin. I'm happy. Uh, and number four, Seth Rollins taking on Matt Riddle in the main event for the United States title. Ali gets involved again. I know a lot of people are complaining that Rollins and Riddle seem like they've been feuding for months, but it has been a slow burn and every match has been different. These guys have been going back and forth and have only really had three matches so far, but each match has been different. So you can't fault them for having a great feud just because you want things to get microwaved and go quicker to get set to a different feud that you might not like. So moving on finally to SmackDown. And number one, Sheamus versus Solo Sukhoi. And then the bloodline taking out the Brawling Brutes and breaking the arm of Sheamus. I thought that Sheamus and Solo had a great 15-minute match. I would like them to even go on more because they were having a, a true fight. But then the bloodline doing what they did to Dunn and to Ridge Holland and then breaking the arm of Sheamus shows that they are asserting their authority even more than they ever have. And it was just fantastic. Uh, number two, Bray Wyatt's promos on the show. His first promo, where he said that he's now just a vessel and he follows uh, what, where the crowd wants him to go. Incredible. And then the Uncle Howdy promo that we saw with the QR code and everything like that. Unbelievable. This guy is slowly setting himself up to be the true megastar that he was meant to be in the WWE. And number three, Damage Control taking on Shotzi Blackheart and Raquel Rodriguez. Now, you're not often that you see me praising the women on Raw or SmackDown, but Bailey has molded Damage Control into a damn good tag team. And Shotzi Blackheart is slowly once again getting that push that she had over in NXT. And I think that they are finally starting to make Raquel into a beast again like she was in NXT as well. Uh, they put on a hell of a matchup. The double-team doomsday device dropkick that they hit was stellar. So, uh, yeah, this was a, a must-see matchup. If you didn't watch SmackDown, go back and check it out because it is definitely something that you will want to see and you will want to enjoy. Trust me when I tell you that, folks. Now, I think I made a mistake a little earlier on when I talked about what we would be talking about tonight on the show, and I said NXT Halloween Havoc. No. It is just regular NXT from last week. Halloween Havoc happened this past Saturday as a premium live event. And I will be covering that and regular NXT from this Tuesday night coming uh, on next week's show. So you will get Halloween, NXT Halloween Havoc and you will get regular NXT over on the USA Network next week on the show. And during the highlight reel, I will talk about AEW Dynamite 
Raw, and SmackDown. So, sorry if I made anybody go, oh, we're going to hear about, no, Halloween Havoc will be happening on the next show. Sorry about that, folks. This is what happens, though, when you miss a couple extra days and you go a little longer and it takes a little longer for you to drop your episode and not get, you know, your brain all there. But I apologize. So with that being said, my apology being made, let's go ahead and get into our first show review. And that is, of course, NXT. And NXT opens up with the Judgment Day making their way to the arena. And the crowd is hot tonight and ready for our opening match. It's Rhea Ripley taking on Roxanne Perez. This is, of course, the first Pick Your Poison matchup of the night. This matchup made by Cora Jade, and she is trying to punish Roxanne Perez. Very good back-and-forth match to start out, but Roxanne couldn't seem to hold it together. She used her speed and quickness early on and hit a great suicide dive to the outside. Ripley made the comeback like a powerhouse and just flung Roxanne around the ring. Rhea eventually hit her finisher and got the win in 13 minutes. Enjoyed this very much, ladies and gentlemen. Backstage, the Good Brothers and Cameron Grimes discuss their up-and-coming six-man tag team matchup later tonight. Grime pays the bros off, and they say they're going to the moon tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Tony D and Stax make their way to the ring, and Tony gives the youngster a pep talk before revealing his opponent for this evening, but then sends us the commercial. Nicely done. Mackenzie talks to Grayson Waller backstage, and he looks shaken by all that he's been happening lately. Waller says he's beaten Apollo Crews before, and he'll do it again. He gets interrupted by Chucky on the TV screen, who informs us that Grayson and Apollo's match will be a spin-the-wheel-make-the-deal match. I don't know if I'm happy about that or sad that they involved Chucky again. It's, I know they're on the USA Network, but the last time we had Chucky involved, Rick Steiner was involved, and it was just a big old mess. Back inside the arena and Stack's opponent gets revealed and it is Shinsuke Nakamura, the former NXT champion, is back and I'm hyped for it. Uh, matchup starts and we saw Stacks try and get some office on, in on Nakamura, but they just keep couldn't keep up with him. Uh, Nakamura mixed speed with his strong style and showed the heart we used to see from him in the past. Shinsuke hit a huge Kinshasa and got the win in seven minutes. Great to see Nakamura back in NXT. I hope this is a permanent thing. Backstage, Axiom and Frazier are discussing their best of three series and get interrupted by Robert Stone and Von Wagner. Von says that their matches will amount to nothing and he will be the next North American champion at Halloween Havoc. Sonya Deville then takes on Alba Fire. This one started off fast and furious with both Fire and Deville throwing punches at one another. Fire took the advantage and put Deville down. But as she went for her senton bomb, tex, uh, Toxic Attraction got involved. A DQ was caused two minutes into the matchup, and it was over. Post-match, DeVille and Toxic Attraction beat down Alba, and Mandy Rose made her return. She told Fire she was ready for her, but Alba made the comeback and took everyone out and then sent Man Mandy running from the ring. Wow. Backstage, we saw a brawl between Carmelo Hayes, Trick Williams, Wesley, and Aura Mensa. That led us to the ring. This was a full-out brawl, and it continued into the match. Trick took Mensa to the outside. Lee and Hayes traded some shots, but Hayes eventually took to the advantage. Hayes hit his finisher, got the win in three minutes, and that's not excluding the brawl that they had going to the ring. Post-match, all four men continued to brawl, and this led to Von Wagner and Frazier coming down as well. 
all five men in the ladder match had a crazy brawl with Frazier taking everybody out, and their ladder match will take place at Halloween Havoc this Saturday night. You will hear about it next week. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. This schism warned Cameron Grimes and the Good Brothers for later tonight. McKenzie is then with Braun Breaker, and Braun lets us know that he and his opponents will be on a special KO Kevin Owens show later on tonight. Interesting. Grimes and the Good Brothers took on the schism. This was a war of a six-man tag from beginning to end. Grimes and Fowler fought it out and start us off, but soon it was all six men battling. Grimes finally got his hands on Gacy and got some good payback. Gallows and Anderson took it to the dyad from the remainder of the match. We saw the Magic Killer, and the match was over in 12 minutes. Solid outing and put good progression to this storyline between Grimes and Gacy. Fear Mahan is then backstage with McKenzie. He lets us know that he told Sangha that he wants to reunite and to take a part of the tag team division. Sangha walks up and tells Veer he's ready. We then shift to the contract signing between Carter and Casey and the women's tag team champions and the team of uh, Nikita Lyons and uh, Zoe Stark. Both teams are ready, but I'm just praying no one gets hurt. We get a split-screen interview between Julius Creed and Damon Kemp. Julius tells Damon that... Uh, he's ready to tear him apart at Halloween Havoc. Kem calls Creed a loser and says he's jealous of him. They continue to trade insults and are ready for their matchup next week at Halloween Havoc. Shotzi is back in NXT, and she will once again be the host for Halloween Havoc. I couldn't be happier about this because she has always been a great host. She guarantees that she and Raquel will win the WWE Women's Tag Team titles on Friday night and that at Halloween Havoc, it will be the absolute best that it can be. Zion Quinn shows up and offers to be her co-host, and this brings out Mabel Dust Quincy Elliott. They argue over who's going to be the co-host, and God, this is ruining her return to NXT. So she makes a match between them, and the winner will be her co-host. Yeah, that happened. Quincy then took on Zion Quinn uh, There's not much to this match It was just there Quincy hit a couple of shots Quincy got to the upper hand And then hit his bonsai drop for the win At two minutes Post-match, Hank Walker watched from ringside And Quincy and Shauncey danced in the ring um, Hoping there's not a lot of this At ha Havoc But it is WWE You never can tell Andre Chase's school uh, is with his students in his school, excuse me, about and teaching them about the history of Halloween Havoc. He gets uh, cut off by Chucky, and Bodie argues with Chucky, and then Jesus Christ, where's this going? Contract signing between Pretty Deadly and Enoff and Blade for the tag team titles is had. Both teams lay down their challenges, and next week, both the men's and women's tag team titles will be on the line on NXT, not at Halloween Havoc. This will be on the regular NXT episode on USA. We will cover it on the show as well, so make sure that you stay tuned. We then go to the ring for our, I believe, main event. It, yes, this is the main event match of the evening. Raquel Rodriguez taking on Cora Jade. This is the final pick your poison matchup. Uh, Raquel was sought after by Roxanne Perez to take out Cora Jade. Cora tried to run around and keep away from Raquel, but couldn't stay away long enough. Rodriguez chopped and slammed her former tag team partner around the arena. Jade got in a couple of shots, but Raquel wasn't having it. Rodriguez got DQ'd for using Cora's cane, and she thought she had survived, but Roxanne attacked her in the aisle and ran Jade off. I hope they get enough time at Havoc 
because this is a weapons, wild weapons match or weapons rules match. And I really think that these women deserve time going in to their matchup. Uh, we get a rundown for Halloween Havoc, and it's a stacked card with some good-looking gimmick matches and title matches I cannot wait for. I have to be honest. Ron Breaker, Ilion Dragunov, and J.D. McDowell, I, I can't wait for that triple threat match. Briggs and Jetson are hosting a watch party for the KO show, and everyone from Fallon to the Indy Hartwell to Jiro and even the Surfer Girl are having fun. Kevin Owens made his way to the ring. He welcomes Braun Breaker, J.D. McDowell, and Ilya Dragunov to the ring. KO puts over Shawn Michaels for the reason of him being there and doing the KO show, and he promises a no-touch guarantee tonight. All three men taking turns cutting promos. McDowell says maybe he's creepy, but he will be champion. Dragunov says that Braun is human, and he's going to get back the title that he deserves. And Breaker says he's not looking to make friends, and he's retaining on Saturday. Owen tells Braun and Ilya not to fall for McDowell's plan and not let him become champion. Owens was hysterical in this segment, and all three men made their points for winning this Saturday. Breaker and Dragunov began brawling and even took out security to get to one another while McDowell watched on. In the end, Dragunov was left standing, and then, oh God, it's Austin Theory, and he's got the money in the bank briefcase. Is he going to cash in on the NXT champion and pull a Charlotte? Who knows? Uh, very good episode of NXT this week, and I'm happy it's been a continued trend. The ending was pretty damn good, despite it being Austin Theory. Given this week's episode a 4 out of 5, and it's well-deserved. A couple of little hiccups, but nothing bad. It was definitely a stellar outing for NXT, and I have enjoyed their programming, and I know I'm going to enjoy Halloween Havoc. A uh, little spoiler, I've already watched it, but I know you guys are going to enjoy it as well. So. With that being said, that should be my new catchphrase. It should be a t-shirt. Uh, let's go ahead and shift gears now to AEW Dynamite from this past Tuesday night as well. That's right. NXT and AEW went head-to-head -head this week on Tuesday night as AEW was preempted from their normal Wednesday night time slot. And we get welcome to the show and go to the ring for our first matchup. It is for the trio's tag titles. And why is Orange Cassidy holding the All-Atlantic title in a backpack? Best friends take on Death Triangle. We had action to start us off all over the ring and Pac is pissed. No one had a clear advantage and all six men just battled it out with triple team and high-flying moves. Pac robbed the ring hammer, but... As he was about to use it, Phoenix stopped him and got rid of it. The match continued, and we saw a near fall after near fall after near fall. Phoenix then hit his finisher on Trent and got the win at the 16-minute mark. Your winners, and still trios champion, Death Triangle. Great opening matchup right here. Well done, AEW. Mox and Paige have a filmed vignette about their history in AEW, and both men talking about what to expect tonight. Tony Schiavone is with Britt Baker, Jamie Hayter, and Rebel. They say they aren't happy about uh, waiting uh, for a title shot, and they're certainly not happy about tonight's women's title match, but unhappy or happy, one of them will be the AEW Women's Champion by the ending of 2022. 
And that takes us to our next matchup. It is Sheeta taking on Tony Storm for the interim women's title. A very good women's matchup, which actually surprised me. Sheeta and Storm battled for the title in and out of here the ring, with Sheeta taking an early advantage. Sheeta used her quickness and surprised the champion a couple of times. Storm finally made a comeback and had Sheeta guessing. We saw a wicked-looking Tornado DDT and then a Storm Zero, and Tony Storm got the win in 12 minutes. Your winner and still women's champion, Tony Storm. Definitely worth the watch here, folks, so I will definitely say go out of your way. Post-match, Hater and Rebel attacked Sheeta and Storm. We saw the entrance of Britt Baker, but right behind her was Soraya, and a brawl bloke broke out on the floor between both women. And then Rio made her return and came to the aid of Tony Storm, and I guess Storm now has another new tag team partner who will turn into an opponent down the line. <laughs> so we then get a vignette of the Kingdom deb debut on Rampage and comments from Samoa Joe. I think Taven and Bennett are in for a big tag match and push in AEW and Ring of Honor. Renee then interviews FTR and they discuss wanting the AEW World Tag Team titles. And that brings out, and then they bring up the Kingdom wanting their ROH Tag Team titles as well. Swerve and Lee show up and a match is made up for next week with both teams wanting to be number one contenders. So it will be Swerve in Our Glory taking on FTR. The winners will be the new number one contenders. Yes, please. Alex Marvez then interviews Darby Allen and Jay Lethal. Jay wants a rematch, and Darby agrees. Sunday, Junjay, <laughs> excuse me, Sanjay Dutt then says that he knows his weakness for Darby Allen, and a brawl breaks out between the both of them. And it's Dutt and Lethal taking Darby out. Lethal closed the bay door on Allen and then applies a figure four. Where the hell is thing? What the hell is going on here? <laughs> Tony is with William Ringle in the ring and discussing Mox and Paige later on tonight, but then MJF interrupts immediately. MJF isn't there to fight, but to tell a story about his past with William Regal. Max's story was raw and real, and everything he said to Regal had the fans cheering. The email that he read and the story that he told about his WWE tryout was amazing. And Regal's smirk and then response was what I was expecting, and it helped drive home that MJF is the best heel in the business today. This segment was done perfectly by AEW. The way they are booking and allowing MJF to be himself, more power to him. Renee interviews Billy Gunn and the Acclaimed. We find out that Friday night on Rampage, it'll be the Acclaimed taking on Nice and Woods in a title versus the Scissor trademark match. As stupid as that sounds, I'm okay with it. Renee is then having a sit-down interview with Brian Danielson and Willier Utah. Uh, Danielson talks about losing to Chris Jericho and what Daniel Garcia did. Wheeler finally says that he and Claudio saw what Garcia was planning and can't understand why the Blackpool Combat Club isn't enough for Danielson and then walks off in a huff. We go to our first world title matchup of the night, and it is Dalton Castle challenging Chris Jericho for the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight title. Not a huge fan of Dalton Castle, but he uh, he was great in his in this matchup. He and Jericho went at it in an innovative matchup and just kept going. Castle had two near falls, and the crowd was on their feet. Jericho was about to fight back and leveled his opponent with the Judas effect. Picked up the win in 12 minutes. Your winner and still Ring of Honor champion, 
Chris Jericho. Very good matchup for both. Like I said, I'm not the biggest Dalton Castle fan, but I think that he showed a lot of heart and determination in this matchup. Post-match, Jericho and the JSA celebrated on the stage. Jericho said he is taking out former champions, ROH ring announcers, and now ROH commentators. He was about to take out Ian, who was on commentary with the AEW guys, but then Jerry Lynn stopped him. Chris hit a tombstone pile driver on Lynn and left him laying. And apparently, Jerry Lynn has a re-surgically repaired neck, so it was kind of a scary thing to see this happen. But it is just driving home Jericho destroying Ring of Honor from the inside out. I ultimately think it's going to lead to a matchup with Samoa Joe, which, yeah, do it. Take my money. Christian explained why Luchasaurus has turned on Jungle Boy and what their next move is. A rundown for this upcoming Friday night's Rampage and next week's Dynamite is then shown, and both shows actually look good. The baddies are looking for Nyla Rose. Jade Cargill is not happy. She says she's going to Rampage to call out Rose and get her title back. She also tells Tony Khan to get her title back for her, or she will hijack Rampage for the entire 60 minutes. Um, then maybe I'm not tuning into Rampage. <laughs> and it is now time for our main event. It is Moxley taking on Adam Page. Moxley defending the AEW World Heavyweight title. This one started in the aisle and went throughout the crowd as Page attacked and took it to Moxley. We then finally got into the ring and it was an all-out war. Page fought hard and hit Moxley with everything he had, but the champion would not be giving it up any easier than he ever has. Mox got busted open and kept fighting back, but Page was looking to get the win. Mox finally came back looking to get the win here, but it looked like Page was about to turn it around. Mox finally came back and hit a stiff-looking clothesline that turned Page inside out. Hangman wasn't moving. The referee and the ringside doctor tried to check on him, but he was not conscious. The referee called for the bell, and the match was over in 15 minutes. Your winner by referee stoppage, and still the AEW champion, um, John Moxley. This was a scary ending here, folks. Post-match, the commentators did another rundown of Rampage and Dynamite while they tended to Hangman Page, uh, who finally woke up and was able to be stretchered out. Moxley got on the mic, and he said that he hoped Page would be okay, and then called out MJF to prove what kind of a man that he was. MJF answered, and a referee came storming down with him, and it was looked like he was going to be cashing in his chip, but no. He tells Moxley he wants him at 110%. He wants him at full gear because he wants him to earn it, and he will earn it. And, folks, I will be at full gear live because it's happening in my backyard of Newark, New York. So I'll see it live. And you'll hear about it. <laughs> AEW was amazing and full of action from the beginning of the show to end. MJF was certainly the highlight, but every match delivered as well. Giving Dynamite a 5 out of 5, I have to say, there wasn't a single flaw on the show this week. Um, I mean, when AEW wants to fire on all cylinders, they can. And I guess they felt they had to because they were going up against uh, NXT. And NXT did the same thing. They brought out stars from Raw and SmackDown to be all over NXT. So, good job by both shows. I have to say I commend both of them. And I think that they both deserve the um, scores that they got this week. Next week, we will definitely see how uh, NXT does with Halloween Havoc and their regular show. And with that being said, 
it is now time for Nate Maxson's favorite uh, segment of the night. That is... <laughs> grinds my gears, ladies and gentlemen. And tonight, one second. I'm going to be talking about Ronda Rousey. Why am I going to be talking about Ronda Rousey? Well, the women's champion over on SmackDown has been very boisterous lately. She is involved in interview after interview after interview. And she gives her thoughts on Bray Wyatt and about Roman Reigns and about this and about that. She has got an opinion on everything. But the thing that pissed me off the most was this past week when she did an interview and said she wants women's removed from women's titles in the WWE. Well, Rhonda, that is how we differentiate from the weight classes and divisions that there are in both the men's and the women's divisions. You understand? You can't take cruiserweight out of the cruiserweight championship because then anybody could join it because then they wouldn't know that it's 205 or under. You can't take European out of a European championship because then the title would just be any other title. Now, I get her point to a certain extent. It doesn't say men's world heavyweight title on that belt. It doesn't say men's universal championship. And I understand we want equality. But here's something I will say. And you could be mad at me. You could tell me, Archie, you're out of touch. You could tell me that I'm a he-man woman hater. But in all truth and honesty, when a woman's match actually delivers just as good as Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns did at Clash at the Castle, then you can take women's off the title. When a women's match delivers the way that Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels did at WrestleMania, or The Undertaker at Shawn Michaels, or The Undertaker and Brock Lesnar, or Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, then you can take women's off the title and just call it a world title. Ronda Rousey, as I said, has been very boisterous lately, and it seems to me that a woman who I still believe has no place in the wrestling business, is talking more now than she ever did when she was in the UFC. You understand? She never complained about there being divisions in the women's division or anything in, when she was in UFC, and I know that they don't use women on their titles there, but she didn't bitch and moan about that company being in with Dana White. She didn't bitch and moan about everything that went on in the UFC and the way that she lost her title and the way that she never got a rematch and the way about this and about that and about this. No, she didn't give her thoughts on any of the men's matches in the UFC. She didn't give her thoughts about storylines in the UFC because they don't have storylines, but about interviews. You understand my point, what I'm getting at. Ronda Rousey, who just a couple of years ago did a shoot interview and said that wrestling is fake and she can't stand it and she'd rather be home and have children and enjoy her life and not have to deal with the fans flip-flopping on her and booing her and making her feel like shit, is now trying to change wrestling. Well, Ronda... When you actually have a goddamn good match, then you can change wrestling for however the better you want it. But until you do that with someone who is not Becky Lynch or Charlotte Flair, because they led you to those matches, they led you through them, they carried you through them, and you still managed to botch the ending 
to all of those matches. The same way you botched the ending to your match with Liv Morgan a couple weeks ago, and the same way you botch every match. Okay? So when you start delivering, and you start putting on matches like Roman Reigns, The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, and a list of other men. Hell, when you start delivering like Danhausen, then you can start making changes in the wrestling world. And if you want to make changes that bad and you can't do them in the WWE, then quit the WWE and go open your own company and do whatever the hell you want with it. Okay? I'm a little tired of constantly hearing Ronda Rousey talking about things she knows nothing about. So, that is Grinds My Gears, ladies and gentlemen. I want to personally thank you guys for joining me here on episode 73. I am, again, sorry for the late drop. I know I usually drop Sunday or Monday, but like I said, we had some technical difficulties, some things got in the way, and we are dropping a little bit later here, but I promise you, next week will be out as usual so thank you for listening thank you for joining me and i will see you next week on if you smell what the arch is cooking <laughs>